Turn your Bibles to Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Can you imagine what it would be like to be the President of the United States? It's a position that most people would consider the most powerful person in the world. Now, over the last few years, several TV programs have uh, been produced that try to portray what it must be like to live that person's life on a day-to-day basis. Can you imagine meeting with a diplomat over a potential struggle between two nations, then talking with a general about a hostage situation in another region, then going out to speak to the press about something that you said uh, last week, a decision that you made last week that many people were beginning to ask questions about. And that was just the morning schedule. After lunch, you had to fly to California. And on the way there, you couldn't rest because you had to have a conference call with world leaders about a potential difficult situation in another region. Then at the end of the day, you're supposed to have a speech at a convention. Oh, and by the way, you need to make some sort of decision on that natural disaster that's happened on the East Coast. And maybe you might get to sleep today. And then tomorrow, uh, well, you've been sleeping six or eight hours. Hopefully the world can continue functioning while you're asleep. But tomorrow when you wake up, it's going to start over all over again. You know, in many ways, I can relate to that. In my calling as a pastor, there is a similar sense of the responsibility for so many and the need to be ready to do whatever needs to be done in people's lives, to accomplish an incredibly important assignment and mission that will affect many people's lives, even from an eternal perspective. But can I share something with you? More and more I'm sensing, and I mean this with all my heart, that one of my biggest assignments in life, if not the biggest assignment, one of the most important, if not the most important, and definitely I would say the most challenging, is not that of a pastor. It's that of a father, of being a dad, of being a godly dad to my children. You see, the reason I take being a pastor so seriously is because I believe God's Word teaches that the local church is absolutely critical to God's plan for this world. I believe with all my heart that the local church is where it's at in God's work. We're in the middle of it. You couldn't get any closer to God's heart and the passion that He has to touch the world than when you are involved in His local body of believers. Now listen, and if we don't get things right here, it will dramatically impact the effectiveness of God's work in this world. Wow! That's big stuff, isn't it? That's a big responsibility for me and for us. But I'm also seeing more and more that the family unit is also absolutely critical to God's work in this world. It's the basic building block of any society. It shapes everything about our lives, and I believe the role of a father is of incredible importance if the family is going to be what God designed for it to be. Now, let me just make a few comments here, men, before we move on. Our world, our culture does not affirm this. If you look at movies, if you look at TV, the dominant idea is that men are idiots. They can't think rationally. They can't make good decisions. In general, they are weak-kneed and yellow-bellied. In other words, they're wimps. I should say we are. (laughs) Also, our experience doesn't lead us to the importance of fathers, does it? More and more men are not being fathers and dads. 
partly because some don't want to be. <laughs> they choose not to be. But for many of us, I believe, especially if you're here today, I think it's because we don't know how to be. We've never been taught to be a dad or we've never been challenged to be one. And so we need, as Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, to have our minds transformed, not conformed. The world says to us, here's an image that is trying to be presented about what men and fathers should be, and so we can be squeezed in and pressured in to fit into that mold, that's conformity, or we can be transformed from the inside out as God works in our lives, as He pours His truth into us through His Spirit, through His Word, that we can become what God says that men should be. We can learn the roles that we are supposed to play in this world. We can be challenged to fulfill those roles. So I want you to turn with me to Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. And let's read this great passage from God's Word. Matthew 7, verse 24 says, Therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet, and does this sound strong? It did not fall. For it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The same rain fell, the same floods came, the same winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell. Aren't those sad words? As strong as the others are, aren't those sad words? And it fell, and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Now, as we read these verses, we see two different people contrasted. Person number one hears the word of God and does what it says. As a result, he's compared, he's likened to a person who's a wise man who builds his house, who builds his, that's just a picture of life, who builds his life, you could even say, his family on a rock, on a solid foundation. That's person number one. Person number two also hears the word of God, but does not do what it says. As a result, he's compared to a foolish man who built his house or his life or his family on the sand, or in other words, on an insufficient foundation, or according to Luke chapter 6, it just says no foundation at all. Both of them heard the word of God. Both of them built a house. Both of them went through storms, but only one of them was able to make it. Men, God is speaking to me about our role as men, as husbands, as fathers. And as a church, I want to say to you, I believe that God has us on a track because to, to teach you and to equip you more to be the men of God that He wants you to be. We've got to continue helping you and equipping you as God's servants to be those men. But we can't cover all that today. So today what I want to do is cover something that's foundational to our lives out of Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Let's talk about building a home that lasts. First of all, we must listen to God. The emphasis in these verses is not primarily on the listening part. We'll see the primary emphasis here in just a moment. But the assumption is made that listening to God is an important part of building a home. Now, think about it like this. If a person could listen to God and still lose their home, what are the chances for a person who never listens at all. Not very good, right? And apparently, that was the situation of the people who were hearing Jesus in His day. 
The Bible says that as Jesus taught, and it's really the Sermon on the Mount, he finishes up the Sermon on the Mount here in these verses that we just read, but as he teaches to them the Sermon on the Mount and these words that we just read, the Bible says they were amazed. They were marveled. They were astonished. Actually, the word means to strike someone. It hit them upside the head. It blew them away. You know why? They had never heard God's word. Isn't that incredible? The Bible says, not even from their religious experts. The scribes were the religious experts. They were supposedly the experts on the Bible. Can you imagine living in a day when even religious leaders don't know what God has to say? Can you imagine? Very common, isn't it? In our culture. It's not just in our culture. There's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. All throughout history, that's been the case. So we need to hear the Word of God. Why is listening to God so important? Well, there's a lot that we could say here. We could go all throughout His Word. Let me just give you a couple of reasons that the Word of God is so important. Psalm 119, verse 130 says, The Word of God gives us light. It gives us understanding. It means we're walking around in this world and we don't know which way to go. God's Word helps us to know the way to go. Psalm 119, verse 89 says, The Word of God has been settled in heaven forever. God's Word does not change. It never, it never adjusts. It never changes over time. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 tells us that the Word of God is powerful. It is sharp. It is alive. It is active. It is working in people's lives. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17 tells us that the Word of God equips us for everything we need to do in life. Isn't that exciting? The Word of God gives me every tool and every resource that I need in this life. Jeremiah 15, verse 16 says, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. You see that close identity with God's Word? God's Word was so special that He just wanted to ingest them. He wanted to make them a part of His life. Those are some of the things that God's Word does for our lives. So the next question is, how do I put myself in a position to hear from the Word of God. Do you realize how blessed we are to have so many sources of, of, of information from God uh, to hear His Word communicated from us? Do you realize that in our local area, we have no less than at least four Christian radio stations that we can listen to all throughout the week? And, and many, if not most, of those programs that are on those stations that I've listened to are very good. Now, you have to watch out. There's always... Bad apples in every bunch. You have to be careful. You have to be discerning. But most of those programs are really solid in teaching and preaching the Word of God. Isn't that incredible? The area that I lived in in North Carolina, uh, we begged for a Christian radio station. There, there was no Christian radio. There was one station there, and it, and it really wasn't one that a lot of people listened to. How fortunate we are that all day, every day, we, can, we get tired of that one, we can go to another one. That's one resource that we have. We have the resource of a personal time with God and His Word. My friends, I want to share with you that I'm absolutely convinced this is a key to a strong walk with Christ. Is us making a decision that, I, you know, even if my church never talks about God and His Word, even if I never get it on Christian radio, I am going to spend time with God every single day in His Word. You know how fortunate we are? There are cultures today that do not have the Word of God translated into their native tongue. We have been given the Word of God in our own heart languages, some people say, so we can understand it in a language that we relate to. 
We have worship. How fortunate we are to have a church in our own local area. And some of you would say, amen, because you drive. Did you know there are some people that drive 45 minutes to come to New Hope? How fortunate we are. So many of us who get in the car and come five minutes, how fortunate we are to have the access to even 45 minutes away from us. There are places in the world. Do you know that I talked to a Christian radio program, a person who, was, who does a Christian radio program a couple of years ago, and that person told me that they get letters from people in places all across the world who say we don't have a pastor and we can't get a pastor to come, and so we turn on the radio or we turn on the TV every week, and our church gathers around, and this guy who is preaching and teaching is our pastor. Because we don't have anybody to give us the Word of God. They were hungry. God, we want to hear from you. We desperately need to hear. God, what do you have to say? Then we have the wonderful privilege, and I never take this for granted, of of small group Bible studies. Do you know there was a time in our church when we didn't have those? Or at the most, we just had one because I was the only one who could teach them. (laughs) We didn't have anybody coming. (laughs) There wasn't any, certainly there weren't any teachers. And then it took a while to to raise up some people who were prepared and felt uh, equipped to be a teacher. Thank God. Every time I see a new Bible study start, I say, praise God. That's a whole other group of people and a whole other group of situations and circumstances that God is going to help people to work through. What a blessing. So many churches, so many people have grown up in church and take all that for granted. All this stuff just happens. But there are places in the world that do not have the the resource that we have to hear from God. If God speaks to us through His Word, we need to put ourselves in a position to hear from His Word. And these are some of the primary avenues that God's given us. Now I want to talk to the guys directly here for just a minute. I want to address something with guys. Us guys are usually not thought of as the one who do as the ones who do these kind of things. If you were to do a, a poll of Christian men and women, typically we would expect a higher percentage of ladies who have their personal quiet time, who listen to Christian radio, who go to church or whatever it might be. Instead of Christian radio, us guys are more likely to listen to Tom Petty or Leonard Skinner or, you know, something else, right? Instead of a personal time with God, We read the sports page. Instead of worship, we play golf. We work on cars. We mow the lawn kind of stuff. Instead of Bible study, we watch Monday night football. Amen? (laughs) Now, some of those things, there's nothing wrong with. But the pattern is what we ought to be concerned about. We need to change that pattern. Amen, men? According to God's Word... If there was an imbalance, it should be the other way around. If you just read God's Word and you don't know what it's really like in the real world, (laughs) then that sounds funny. If you just read God's Word and you don't know how it really works out, you'd get the idea that men, of all people, we should be listening to God's Word. And men, I just want to challenge you. Hear my heart today. This is not a guilt trip on on us. This is a challenge, men. This is a, hey, we've been duped. Well, we've been, we've been given a bag of lies. We've been told that's not the kind of thing men do. But according to God's Word, it's something that men especially would do. We need to realize something, guys. I want to I just give you some perspective. When we talk about seeking the Lord, we're not talking about having a tea party and reading poetry or literature or something like that. I don't have any desire for that. I don't think most guys do. We're talking about training events. We're talking about equipping for life. 
If we're going to have a life that lasts, we need to have regular debriefings with General Jesus. We need to hear what are the marching orders. He knows that life is a battle, and He's provided me and you with the resources we need to equip ourselves and equip our households so that we don't have to march off into battle armorless. So I want to ask you, men, are we leaving our homes vulnerable to the storms and attacks of the enemy? We are, if we're not listening to God. So listening is important. In fact, it's critical But according to these verses, listening is not quite enough. We must, number two, we must live for God. Did you notice that in these verses? Both of these people listened to God. Thank the Lord. They both had the opportunity to hear the word of God. But the critical difference was that one acted upon it. One person lived for the Lord. If you're a guy here today, I want to commend you. When people visit our church for the first time, I love to get feedback from them. I love to hear, what was your impression? Or, or, or did, you, did you sense that, that God worked in your heart today? Did, did you sense that God spoke to you? Or whatever it might be, I just love to hear feedback from people. You know, did you know where to park? And all those kind of things. You know one of the most consistent comments I get? I've never seen that many men in church before. Well done, men. Well done. Praise God that we're a church full of men. Praise God we're a church full of women. Amen, men? Better be loud on that one. (laughs) I'm telling you why. God's family would fall apart without the women. There's no doubt about that. This is not a slide to the women today. It's a challenge to the men. You know what it tells me, men? That you're showing up. That you're putting yourself in a position to hear from God. And I say, well done. Many, if not most, are not putting themselves in that position. But the context of these verses serve to emphasize this key point. It's not enough to just listen to the Word of God. Listening alone will not protect you. Listening alone will not protect your family. God's Word is not meant to be theoretical. Aren't you glad, men? It's not theoretical. It's real. It's practical. It works. It's not a bunch of abstract intellectual concepts. It's meant to be used and put into practice. If you like to hunt like I do, you read outdoor, outdoor magazines for a reason, don't you? To learn better techniques for hunting or whatever it is you like to do. If you like to build things, you watch this old house, not just for the fun of it, because you like to learn how to construct whatever it is you're working on more easily or quicker in a better way or cheaper way. If you like sports, you go to sports clinics, not just for time fillers, but you do it to to improve your skills, to hone your skills, to help you be better in the game. If you're in business, you go to training events, so it'll help you do your job better. God's Word is the training manual. It's the toolkit. It's the Cabela's catalog for men for how to live this life the way God has given it to live. The point is not to know the manual, it's to live the life. Did you hear that? That's where many churches in a subtle way miss the point. We get falling into this trap of, and I thank God that so many of you take notes, and you take, And I heard somebody appraise this week, somebody said for the first time in their life they're taking notes, and they're, listen, this is the key, they're taking it home and they're using those notes the rest of the week in their personal time with God. Home run, that's it, you got it. It wasn't just to take notes, to put in a, a notebook and say, okay, here's in my subject men category. Next time I'm looking for something on men, I turn to my men category. I've got that sermon and outline from Pastor Robbie. So what? It's to be lived, the Bible says. James chapter 1, verses 22 and following. 
but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Verse 25, one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty or freedom and abides by it, lives in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man, this is the one. You want to see who's going to be blessed? The guy who hears it, who studies it, and who does it. That's the person whose life is going to be blessed. And when it does, listen to what some one author said. The teaching of God's word is not meant to be admired, but obeyed. God didn't intend for us to say, oh, isn't that an interesting concept? That's what I said earlier. This isn't a tea party to sit around talking about poetry. This is a training manual for our lives. Here in Matthew 7, we find out in verses 21 through 23, how you live your life does not get you into heaven. Let's be clear on that because there's a subtle difference here. Be sure you hear what I'm saying. How you live your life does not get you into heaven. What gets us into heaven is whether we ever knew Christ personally. Whether we ever received His gift of salvation, invited Him to come into our lives to wash our sins away and to be my personal Savior. But how we live our life does reveal if we truly did know Him or not. And it also helps us get through the storms that we find in life. So somebody says, okay, Robbie, but I don't know how to live it. So what do I do? My first advice to you is hear the word of God on a regular basis. And when you hear it clearly, do it. That's plain and simple. That's our biggest problem many times is we haven't put ourselves in a position to hear it. And when we hear it, we're not so sure we want to do it. So just hear from the Lord. And when he speaks, do it. But let me give you some some, a little more clear direction that comes from God's Word. In a key passage that God gives to His followers in Deuteronomy 6, a very important passage in God's Word where He gives critical instruction on how His people should live. And like so many of these kind of passages in the Old Testament, the primary responsibility was directed to men in verse 2. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5, God begins to give those men the direction for themselves and for their households and even for their whole nation. In verses 4 through 5, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God. Men, this is who he's talking to. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. What the Bible is saying is the primary responsibility that God gives to the men, the head of those households, the leaders of a nation, the primary responsibility is to recognize God as number one in their life and to love Him with all that they are. So my question to you, sir, is this. Is there anything in your life that is more important than God? Number two in verse six. He says, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. God tells men, the head of households, to hide His Word on their hearts. Men, I want to challenge you today. Is this even on your radar screen? And I want to tell you, I'll just be very transparent. Memorizing God's Word is one of the, one of the biggest struggles that I've ever had in my spiritual walk. I'm still working on that. But it's my desire to learn and to study and to read God's Word so much that it is hidden in my heart that when I come to situations in my life, I have tools and resources to pull from. I just organized my garage last week. I'm feeling good, man. I'm telling you what, that thing looks sharp, at least this week. You know why it excites me? Because I'll be working on something about a month ago, 
Now, where is that screwdriver or hammer or that three-inch screw? I don't need a half-inch screw. I can't find the right screws when I need them. I got tired of it. We're cleaning this baby up. I need the tools in the right place when I need them. That's what happens when you hide God's Word in your heart. You have the tools ready when you need them. Verse 7, You shall teach them diligently to your sons and your daughters, your children, shall talk of them. But again there, there's that emphasis on passing it down, men. Shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Bible, listen guys, let's take it up a notch today, okay? You're here today, praise God. Praise God for that presence. Praise God that your children, that the younger people, even if you don't have children, in this church are seeing a presence of men in their church. Praise God for that. But let's take it up a notch. Bring in our kids to church. Whoever came up with the idea that that was enough? Now, for some parents, it's dropping them off. I thank God that you, you dropped off with them. But whoever got the idea that that was sufficient for your children's lives, let's quit playing games. We've got to take the responsibility to train and to equip our children every day. It is my responsibility as a father. And again, I want to say to our church family, we need to continue to grow in our ability to minister to men, to encourage them, to equip them, to help them to be the men God wants them to be. But ultimately, men, I've got to tell you, I've got to hand that responsibility over to you. It cannot be the responsibility of New Hope Community Church to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If this church family fails, God's going to hold us accountable for our part. But the primary responsibility, man, is for you as dads to teach and to train your family. All day, every day. When you get up in the morning, you're eating your cornflakes, it's a good time to talk about Jesus. You come home for lunch, when you call your family from work, when you're there on the weekends, when you're getting ready to go to bed, those are the times that are most powerful. Thank God that a church can support you, that, that the things that you're sharing with them, we can help you learn how to do that, and we can reinforce those things. When they come here on Sunday, they're going to say, you know, that's what my dad and my mom told me during the week. And that's just going to continue to get solid, more and more solid, isn't it? But it's got to happen in the home. Why is all of this so important? Because the Bible says that apparently storms are coming. Storms are coming. Right now, you're either about to go in a storm, you're in one, or you're just coming out of one. Storms are going to come in life. And hearing and living God's Word will prepare us for those onslaughts. Without that preparation, the Bible says, great will be the fall of our house. Or actually, Luke 6 says, great will be its ruin. Friends, today it breaks my heart that houses and homes and families and lives are dropping like flies, aren't they? All around us. And if we were really honest here today, we'd say, except for the grace of God, mine would too. <laughs> I mean, I'm barely hanging on myself, brother. Give me something I can hang on to. God is telling us today, men, our part. By the way, if you're not a guy here today, these same principles can apply for your life. Listening and living the Word of God is what prepares us for the storms in life. But it reminds me of a third thing as we look at these verses, at the context of these verses. We must listen to the Lord. We must live for the Lord. But thirdly, men, we must lead for the Lord. The main emphasis in these verses, listen to me, is what happens before the storm comes. 
Before the storm comes, I need to listen to God. Before the storm comes, I need to live for God. That is what prepares me to face the storm when it comes. In fact, let me read to you out of Luke chapter 6, verse 48. It says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. The emphasis is on what happens before the storm. But as I read these verses, as I think about the reality of storms and our challenge to men today, I also thought about what happens during the storms. Well, let me share with you the imagery that Jesus has given to them here. He says, the rain fell and the floods came. In this region, a very dry and arid region much of the year, there'd be these dried out riverbeds, basically just these big gullies or a big valley kind of areas called wadis. And what would happen is that during the rainy season, these big torrential rainstorms would come and they would fill up those riverbeds and they would become a huge raging river. The words that are used here in our passage and that are used in Luke 6 in the parallel passage give us the idea of the wind and the river of water slamming or beating violently against that house. There was force coming against that house. The Bible tells us that we will experience the reality of this life we will experience tough times. They are going to come if they're not already here. Whether you live for God or not. The Bible says in John 16, Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation. He was talking to his disciples. And in a time of challenge or in trouble or crisis, we look for a leader, don't we? When the rain falls, when the floods come, when the winds blow, when the house is getting slammed. Now that's just imagery. What are the real storms that we face? When the finances go? When the physical problem that we find out from the doctor rocks our world? Raising children? Who could possibly know how to raise children in the right kind of way? And all the struggles and difficulties and challenges we face in our world today. When you lose your job, that's the storm, isn't it? When those things come, we need a leader. When those things come, we need someone, we need dads to hold tight to keep listening, to keep living, and to believe that the foundation that has been established will hold us. The Bible promises that our foundation will stand. But we need somebody, we need dads to encourage us to hang on, to keep standing firm on that foundation through the storm. So many dads today are bailing out. But man, let me ask you a question. If someone were breaking into your house right now, You were in your house this morning, earlier today, as you were getting up for church. If someone were breaking into your house, if a tornado or hurricane were headed this way, I believe there's something in a man that would say, not my home. I will die trying, but I will not just stand by and watch my home destroyed. Amen, men? There's something in the guy that says, I will not allow that to happen to my home. But for some reason, guys, we are blinded to the spiritual threats to our home, and they are much more deadly we can rebuild a house can't we we can regain all the stuff that was lost in a burglary but who will be a leader who will guard the home who will stand and say we will trust God to get us through this the promise of God's word is if you listen to me and if you live for me then when the storms come your house will stand And I believe the challenge God would give us is don't stop trusting me 
in the middle of the storm. Some of us have started on the right track, but the storms have started coming and we've started to back up. Men, don't forget the challenge. Men don't retreat, do they? Men advance. Men advance for God's kingdom, for God's work. God has called us to be the leader in our home, a servant leader, the one who would lay down his life for the others, the one who would do the mission. If our family were hostages in in hostile territory, we would say, I am going in. I may need some help to go with me, but I'm going to be one of the ones to go in and to get my family back. Guys, will you be the leader? Or are you trusting your wife to? She's good. And I would even say about most women, she's probably incredible in what God has called her to do. But she can't do your role in the family. God has called you to do that. Church family, can I just say something to you? I believe that one of the reasons that men are not interested in what church families are doing is because they see churches as more of cruise ships than lifeboats. More and more, I believe our church needs to develop the idea among men of a band of brothers, of guys who are sticking together to provide, to protect, to promote the Lord's way in our church family. So before we say, shame on you to men for not joining the effort, I want to ask myself as a pastor, and I want us to be challenged as a church family, are we giving men an effort worth being a part of? I believe if we do God's work in God's way, that God will lead more and more men to be a part of His work here. Amen? We need you, men. The storms are raging. God gave you a sense of adventure. God gave you a sense of risk. God gave you a sense of the need to protect for a reason. When the battles are raging, men are called to rise up and lead. Not in a domineering way, but in a Christ-like way. How did Jesus lead? He laid down his life for the rest. He said he wasn't a wimp. He was the strongest of all. In the midst of everybody turning their back on him, he would stand up in the crowd and say, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what the Father says ought to be done. I'm going to do what maybe no one else sees needs to be done. Isaiah 59 says, God saw and then there was no one to intercede. There was no one to stand in the gap for us. So Jesus stood up and said, I will take your bullet for you. If you knew that your child was walking across the street, and a car was coming, would you hesitate for one half a second, men, to dive out in that street, to push your child out of the way, and to take the brunt of that for them? Absolutely not, would we? That's what Jesus did for us. He's a man's man. He's a real man. He felt good enough about himself that he didn't have to prove himself to anybody. He knew who he was. He knew the call that God had put on his life as the Son of God to die for our sins. He knew he was the only one who could be called to answer that call. He said, I will do it. I will stand in the gap for you. Man, we're talking about a real man. We're talking about Jesus. He's a guy worth following. He's a guy who has your back. He's a guy who will protect you, who will provide for you, who will help you to understand how this life is supposed to be lived. Guys, today I believe that that's what men are looking for. Would God help us as a church family to be a place where men could be the men of God that He wants them to be? Men like Jesus, strong but tender. I'm reading a book right now that the reason I bought the book is because I like the title. In fact, I don't know if I'd ever heard the title before, but God gave me this phrase a few years ago, tender warrior. That's what I like about David in the Bible. He's a tender warrior. And then what do you know? I went to the bookstore and found somebody had written my book. 
I never have any new ideas. <laughs> I probably heard his name on the radio and didn't even know it. But you know what? I like that. Tender warrior. That's what God calls men to be. Strength under control. Under God's control. Is that what you want to be today, men? There's a paradox to it, though. You have to lay down your life before you can truly experience life. And so it's going to take some faith on our part, men. It's going to take going against the flow of what we think. I, men, we don't want to make ourselves vulnerable. We don't want to, we don't want to show ourselves to be weak. But men, it's, it's going to go against our flow to follow Christ. But we've got to first of all be willing to admit weakness before we can experience God's strength. Would you do that today? Would you say, Jesus, you're the kind of man, a man's man, a real man, you're the kind of man I want to follow. I want to give my life to you today. And God, by your grace, if you can help me become that kind of man, then I will do it. Whatever you tell me to do, that's what I want to be for my wife, for my family, for my children, for the kids in this church family, for the kids in this community, to be the man that I need to be. Maybe you're here today and God's just spoken to your heart about having a solid foundation for your life. Maybe you're not putting yourself in a position to hear from God. And God's speaking to your heart. Yeah, you're checking off. Yeah, I go to church and I listen to some Christian radio. But the real question is, are you hearing from God? That's the question, isn't it? I don't mean checkoffs. I mean, can you say with all your heart, I am consistently, regularly hearing from God? If you're not, would you ask the Lord to show you how you can put yourself in a position to do that? Many of us today are hearing from God, but we're not taking steps of faith to obey Him. The Bible is not meant to be admired. It's meant to be followed and obeyed. It's a manual, a training guide for life. I understand what it's like. About seven years ago, I sat in a, a chair just like you are. Actually, it was a pew. But I sat in a, a church service just like you are today, and I held on tight. I don't want to do that. <laughs> but finally, God got a hold of my heart. Okay, God, whatever you want to do. Today might be the day that God opens up the floodgates of His plan for your life. Could it be hinging on one simple decision that you've got to make? Will I trust what I have heard from God? And will I obey, will I obey it? 